We are in the study of the I am's of Jesus, and we are continuing to look at the truth. In John 14, he declares of himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we have looked at the truth in terms of that that's revealed of Christ, that that was hidden in the old covenant and is brought forth in the new. We have looked at the spirit of truth. This morning, we're looking at John 8 is our primary text. We're going to be into a number of scriptures today, but John 8, beginning at verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free they answered him we be abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man how sayest thou ye shall be made free jesus answered them verily verily i say unto you whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin and the servant abideth not in the house forever but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is her father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not, which of you convinced me of sin? And I say the truth, do you not believe me? And if I say the truth, do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. So Jesus establishes that the truth will make you free. He also establishes here that those that do not believe in him, he is speaking to those uh, Jews that did not believe in him. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. I just want to dwell on this one second. And that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. And he told them their lust, his lust, will they do? And I believe what he was saying there was uh, they would ultimately murder him. They would put to death those that he sent to them, just as he says in a, another part of the gospels is recorded into another part of the gospel. So he says the lusts of the devil 
you will do. That from the beginning, the devil was a murderer and the truth was not in him. And we're going to look at this from the beginning here in a moment, but I want to catch her mind up into the main emphasis of this sharing this morning, that the truth shall make you free. This, whom the Son hath made free is free indeed, and that the Son abideth in the house forever. Now, this word make shall make you free is a Greek word in the strong 1659, and it means to liberate. That is to exempt from moral ceremonial or mortal liability, deliver, make free. So Jesus is dealing with the Jews and he, and he told, and he told them they shall be made free. And well, they said, we're not in bondage to any man. We're the children of Abraham. And, and in fact, they were in bondage to sin. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. All mankind was, was in bondage to sin. Natural man is in bondage to sin. So Jesus comes forth and says, if the son make you free, you shall be free indeed. So, and that's a state of being. You're liberated from sin. That's what happens in Christ as we know him, as we continue in his word and we know him, we are made free from sin. We are made free from the penalties of sin. And as we come to know his nature, we are made free from the lusts of sin. And, and this is real in Christ. This is absolutely real in Christ. And you, you may say, well, Brother Wayne, I don't know any man that can be free from the lusts of sin. Well, I will tell you, Jesus has the power to make us free from the lusts of sin. And if we dwell in Christ and his life dwells in us, we'll be able to put these things under our feet through his life. Now, I want us to concentrate for a moment in, in the origin of sin. So Romans 5 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 19 of Romans 5 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So we look at the origin of sin, and we find it in the man Adam that Adam sinned, and through his disobedience, death came forth upon all men. And I believe death is maybe two or even threefold, but you have physical death that came upon all men or all mankind. And you also have what Paul describes as the carnal mind, he says the, in, in the book of Romans, he says that the carnal mind is death. The spiritual mind 
is life and peace, and the carnal mind is death. So to be naturally minded is death. So man was trapped from that point of Adam's disobedience and the futility of his own mind, of his own heart. So, and the law came, and with the law, the sin abounded. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because, because man found that they had no ability to accomplish what the law set forth. Uh, we're going to look at that in a moment, but I want us to go back to the origin of sin in, in, in the book of Genesis, and we'll start with chapter 1. And it says in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God creates man, the Bible says, in his image. I want us to look at this word image. This word image in the Hebrew is in the Strong's Dictionary 6754, and it means to shade a phantom. Figuratively, an illusion, resemblance, hence a representative figure, especially an idol. So, and then the word likeness. The word likeness is 1823, and it means a resemblance, model, shape, like, fashion, manner, similitude. So when we look at these two words, sometimes we get an idea that man was just like God, and I have to ask, was he? I, I have to ask that in my heart. So what I believe the word image is declaring is, is man is in God's image. He gave him authority to rule over the earth. You know, God is the ruler of the heavens. And when Jesus raised from the dead, he says all authority is given to him in heaven and earth. And here the first man was given rule over the earth. And I believe that deals with God's image. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but I believe that deals with God's image. And he was in God's likeness, uh, similitude, and, and he has a mind, a will, emotion. So he's made in the image and likeness of God. Man can think, man can reason. All of these attributes that, that were in God is in the man. And so this man can communicate, this man can feel, he can think, and this is the way the natural man was created with this ability, with a mind, with a, you, you know, the first man was made a living being, a living soul, and then that is the ability to consider, to think, to evaluate, all, all to, to purpose in himself, all of this is in the man. And see, this is the likeness of God. God purposed in himself. We find that in the Bible. God has a will. God has thoughts. God has purpose. And so this is likewise in the man. 
Now, again, I come back to the idea that Adam was just like God, and somehow he fell from a state of being that was just like God. I don't know that he was. I, I believe he was a representative figure, and he was created for the purpose to be just like God or to have God revealed in him. When, I, when you go on into the story in, in Genesis 2 and 3, you know, the Lord commanded the man saying, from, every, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. So the Lord placed in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And to the best of my ability in studying the Bible, I do not see where this man ate of the tree of life. He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit, at the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knoweth that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves and made themselves loin coverings. So they knew good and evil, but here's the catch. They had not the ability in themselves to fulfill the good. I believe at this point, man became futile. He had left the self-reliance of God and had come into his own heart into a place where he decided he would be like God. You know, the devil came to Eve and, and told Eve, you eat of this tree, you shall not surely die. So, so he lied to Eve from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. Death passed upon all men. The natural mind, the carnal mind came upon all men. And, the, and these did not eat of the tree of life. So, so they're in this state of futility. And I believe this is the state of man that he finds no ability in himself from this point forward to be accepted of God, to be like God. There's no ability. And, and that's a futile place because when the law comes, and especially in, in the church world, man comes to a place of condemnation. You know, there's this continual reminder that he's, in sin, in the law, every year or, or multiple times a year because there's the needs of the offerings 
that the Israelites had to offer. And that's because they were bound in sin. That's because their nature, they're the nature of sin. And that was the state of all mankind. He was the nature of sin. He was futile in himself to please God. And yet in his heart, many men desire to please God. Many men desire to be accepted. Many men desire to be righteous. And what that creates in the heart of man many times is self-righteousness. So man will decide what righteousness is and, and he'll put it up on himself and then he'll put it up on, his, on others. And we find that with the Pharisees. We find that with religious folks today that they will take what they believe is righteousness and they'll try to put it up on someone else. And still yet in the heart of the man, many times or, or maybe all the time, unless he comes to know what true righteousness is, unless he comes to know what true, true righteousness is, he will not know righteousness. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I had received the Lord years ago, and many years I struggled with my acceptance of God, that God had accepted me. And the Apostle Paul writes, we're accepted in the beloved, and we're headed there, whom the Son has made free is free indeed. So, so we have the condition of man, we have the condition that comes upon all men, mankind, death and sin. And it's upon all mankind in the natural man. And so in the receiving of the Son, we have another condition that is set forth, which is freedom from sin, which is freedom from this state of being, that you would be trapped in sin all of your life. And unfortunately, and I say this, unfortunately in the church, Many believe that man is still trapped in sin, even after they received the Lord. Well, he paid for my sins, but I won't get out of this state of being until someday when I die. Well, you're dead, Paul writes, and we're going to look at that in a moment, and your life is hid with Christ and God. So that someday happened at the cross because the Son come to make you free. And that's what Jesus said. If you continue in my word, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah to the lamb of the living God. So, so we're not to be in this condition of futility. We're to be in this condition of knowing him, of coming to freedom. Now, before we leave the thought of this futility, let's turn over to Romans 7. Romans 7, Apostle Paul is dealing with the law in Romans 7. And so because sin came upon all men, you know, the Bible says sin is not imputed until when there's no law. Well, then the law came upon all men to show man that he was exceedingly sinful. So man was shown by the law that he was in a state of sin, a state of missing the mark. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
that he could not please God. And so henceforth, you have the offerings. You have the offerings that come and are offered to Israel or in Israel as a pleasing of the Lord because of the state of man. So in Romans 7, Paul says, therefore did that what which is good become a cause of death for me. Now he's speaking of the law, verse 13. May it never be, rather it was sin in order that it might be shown to be to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment sin will become utterly sinful. So the commandment came to show me that sin was utterly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold in bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not. I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am. Now, this is, the, this is the state of man. Now, Paul was saying in his flesh, he desired to do good, but evil was with him. And he, and he comes to the place that he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Now, this is the body of death that I desire to do good, but evil's present with me. That the law came and showed him that he was exceedingly sinful. Now, this body of death is the body that man carries around. I'm not even just talking about the natural body, but the nature of it. He carries around the nature of sin. Now, just to get us back to the, to the thought that Jesus said, in John 8, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth, and we've established the truth is Christ, will make you free, free from sin. So free from this state of being that Paul's describing in Romans 7. That's what Jesus is saying, that if the Son make you free, you're free indeed. And Paul cries out in Romans 7, and he says, who will set me free? from this body of death. Paul answers that in the very next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's set free from the body of death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind, I'm serving the law of God. But on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So, so we're set free from the law 
of sin and death through Jesus Christ. We're set free from the sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. So to live unto him, not to live under sin, but to live unto him. And this is where the freedom's at, is when we come to live unto the Lord. So, so see, a lot of people, you, you know, hear the teaching of grace and say, well, God doesn't hold my sins against me, which is true. But they may not get free from that inability in their heart. Because while God doesn't hold our sins against us through the death of Jesus, that the sins are upon Jesus, there's, there's a reality of living under Christ that frees us from that state of being. And this is what the Lord is doing by the Spirit. He's taking us into a place where we live under Christ. We don't live into the flesh. Because in the flesh is this situation Paul describes in Romans 7, where we will try to do good, but evil is present with us. We live unto God. We live unto God in Christ. In Romans 6, Romans chapter 6, which is a scripture we read a lot in our local fellowship, Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? The King James says, so that grace may abound. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? See, here's the catch. Here's the key. How shall we that died to sin live in it? Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. How did he make you free? Because he gathered you up in his death. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because he died unto sin. And, and that's what the writer, what Paul writes here in Romans 6, and I'm going to read the rest of it. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So here's the Son making you free. Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. And we come to know this by the Spirit of God. We are baptized into his death, baptized by one Spirit. And by one spirit, we're, we're planted into his death. We're buried with him. And see, that old man is put away, that body of sin. That's the old man. The body of sin has been destroyed, Jesus crucified. And so once we come begin to understand this, sin has no dominion over us, Christ does. What he's done is what has dominion in our lives. 
And the Apostle John understands this and says, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. So, so he's our advocate because of what he's done. He has taken the sin up on himself. He that knew no sin was made to be sin and put it away. He not only died to it, he put it away and he come forth in the newness of life. He didn't come forth in the old man. He come forth in the resurrection by the spirit of God. And that's our salvation. We come forth in him. And in the coming forth in him, we put away the old man and his deeds. When we begin to understand this and the reality that Christ is in us becomes real, we begin to see the real possibility that we can live in his life, that this is real, that Christ really lives in me and that now in my soul, I can apprehend that which is Christ and manifest it in my body. I really believe that, folks, with, with all my heart, that Jesus is in his people and that his people can begin to live as he is. Well, we can't do that of our own power. We have not the ability in ourselves to live in righteousness. But the righteousness of God is in us because the righteousness of God is a person. The accepted of God is in us because the accepted of God is a person. We are accepted of God in Christ Jesus. We are made righteousness in Christ Jesus. All this is real in Christ Jesus, and that's where we are. And that's how the Son has made us free, because he has joined us, united us to himself. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is the truth. The truth shall make you free. The truth is a person. So we're joined to the person of Christ, and we're joined in his death, we're joined in his burial, and we're brought forth in his life. Not our own lives, but his life. And what becomes real in our souls is his life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. In the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, verse 17 of chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, yet that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity or the futility of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness or hardness of their heart, who being past filling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all clean, uncleanness with greediness. But you have not learned Christ. If so be you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here's the truth that's in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. From a simplistic manner, I put off believing I'm in sin. I begin to believe the truth that's in Christ. So I put off the former conversation. I'm no longer a sinner I am a new creation created of God in Christ Jesus. So I put off that conversation. And, and Paul goes on and writes, and be renewed in the spirit of, of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The first man is of the earth earthy, 
That's the man of sin. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's the man that's created in righteousness and true holiness. And that's the man that we put on. We put on Christ. We put on this new man. And Paul goes on to say not to give place to the devil. So, and if I go back to the beginning in the garden, the devil basically said we have no need of God. Our whole abundance is in God. Our whole living is in God. Our whole ability to be righteous is in God. It's all in him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I don't give place to the devil. I don't for one minute consider anything outside of Christ. I begin to believe the word of God that in Christ Jesus, we are righteous. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ and that I can't work this thing myself. There's no way that in myself, I can be like God. Christ has to be revealed in me. I believe that's what they gave place to there in the garden, that they began to believe in themselves, that they could be the expression of God, or they could be gods unto themselves. And what they came to was a place of being unrighteous. And that's what the state of being that come up on all man. And he couldn't find in his heart an acceptance with God. Well, what Jesus has done is made us accepted in himself. So I find my acceptance in him. I know my acceptance by knowing him. I know my righteousness by knowing him. I know my peace by knowing him. I know my joy by knowing him because I am having him formed in my soul and mind. That's the renewing of my mind. Christ being formed in us. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's what God is doing in us. He's forming Christ in a people that a people become the expression of him in the earth. And that's our salvation. That's how the son makes us free because the son is accepted. So I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm, I now have this place in God through Christ of acceptance and in Christ, not in myself, not in myself. So I never separate myself from him because I've been joined to the Lord and in the Lord, I've been made accepted in the beloved. If I'm not in the beloved, I'm not accepted. If I go back to self-life and self-will, I won't find acceptance, but I come to the will of God. I come to the acceptance of God. I come to the purpose of God. I move out of the purpose of myself and into the purpose of God. And the purpose of God is he chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, that we could be in relationship, that we could be as sons unto the Lord. That's what he created man to be, as sons unto himself. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And we only find this in Christ Jesus. We don't find this in the old man. We find this in the new man. To be to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, herein, wherein he have abounded toward us, and all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And here's our inheritance in Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what we inherit is righteousness, acceptance, to be to the praise of the glory of his grace. We inherit the place of a son, the adoptions of sons, the placement of sons. That's what we inherit in Christ Jesus, that we can be sons unto God. But we're only that in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves. Glory to God. In one more set of scriptures, Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And that was Ephesians 1, folks. Colossians 3. Paul writes, if you've been risen with Christ, verse 1, seek those things which are above where Christ sit upon the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for you're dead and your life is sealed with Christ and God. You're dead. You know, I grew up singing the song, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Well, Paul said this life is over. You died with him at the cross. By one spirit, you're baptized into one body. And in this, you know, Jesus said of himself that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He brought us into his death that we would come forth in his life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Paul says we're baptized into his death. And we drink of his life. We receive his life. We receive the spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. For your dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. Now, if I think on John 17, Jesus prayed that they be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And he said that he would be in them. Father, that I would be in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That's where we behold his glory, the glory of the Son of God, full of grace and truth, is by him being in us and us being in him. And when he appears in our hearts, hallelujah, this life, this glory appears and we're one with him. And Paul says, because of this, mortify Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is adultery, for which things, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put all these off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to Another, seeing that you have put off the old man and his deeds. See, this is what happened in Christ Jesus. This is how you can mortify your flesh is because that in him you die. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You can't do this in yourself. I'll be honest with you. You can try all day to do this in yourself. This is the comprehension of Christ. You died with him. And the old man died. And therefore, you can mortify the deeds of your body. My God, you can put them to death because the body of sin has been destroyed. That now in this same 
earthen vessel, you can work the works of righteousness, which are the works of Christ that dwell within you. It's not your works. It's in the comprehension of him. Paul goes on here in Colossians and says, we put off the old man, lie not one to it. Not lie not one to another, seeing that we put off the old man. So I could say lying is believing I'm in the old man. Lying is maybe doing all these works of darkness that Paul's describing because they're the works of the old man. But he says, lie not one to another, seeing that you put him off and that you have put on the new man. Well, how I see this is by seeing and comprehending the Lord Jesus. If I don't see and comprehend him, I don't know this. And see, that's what he said. The truth shall make you free. The truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. He makes us free because he put this off and he brought us into it that we could put it off and that we could grow up into him in all things. Like Paul says in Ephesians 4, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But here in verse 10, he says, Colossians 3.10, and, and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection or perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. There's so much to say here, folks. This is the nature of Christ. You know, I can read this as law that I'm supposed to be holy, beloved, and have, and be full of mercy and kindness. And I can go out and try to achieve this. But I come to know this in a person. This is what Paul is declaring. When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, he's declaring a person. That's how you did. That's how you put off the old man, is the person of Christ. You can't do that in yourself. You can't be righteous in yourself. See, for years I was taught that, that we had to be righteous. We had to live righteously with God. Well, God made the way for us to do this, and it's in Christ Jesus. But when I go to try to do it in myself, I'll find exactly what Paul said. But we're not trying to do it in ourselves. We're growing up in him like Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the body of Christ to build us up in the knowledge of the Son of God that we come to a perfect, complete man in Christ. That's what we're coming to, and we're coming to that as the spirit of truth reveals the Lord Jesus in our hearts, and we see him as he is. We see him as the accepted one, and we understand that we've been united in his acceptance. We see him as the Prince of Peace, and we understand we're united in his peace. We see the person of Christ. He's revealed in our hearts. He appears when he 
is manifested. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, bless the Lord. The Son has made us free. If you've received Christ, he's made you free. He took sin upon himself. And as you continue in his word, you will be made free indeed. Glory to the Lamb of God. All the penalties of sin was laid upon him. And now you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What a glorious, glorious place we are in today. Bless the Lord. We will continue in this study next week. May God richly bless you. Amen.